There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Americans have a drinking problem. It's a pretty well-established fact. And to be specific, it's a binge drinking problem. We all drink often and quickly. Here in the nation's capital, the story is no different. And really, there's no judgment here. The numbers just don't lie. D.C., for example, ranks number two among the 50 states in per capita alcohol consumption. See, in 2018 alone, the average district resident drank 3.77 gallons of pure alcohol, according to the NIH. That really translates to a few shots of hard liquor a day, depending on your poison. And the pandemic really pulled these numbers even higher. So at the start of 2023, many people did January dry. But a growing number of people are going without alcohol this month, taking a break from the indulgences of the holiday season. They're participating in what's known as dry January. And this time around, I'm not sure if you noticed it, but I certainly did. Dry January felt different. More people seemed to be talking about it, whether they were participating in it or knew someone who was. I saw a TikTok about it almost every day this month. Hey team, really unfortunate update. I've been doing dry January and um, I feel amazing. And when I asked about it on Twitter, a few people DM'd me. Here's one message from a listener. Quote, I'm doing dry January and already noticed that I'm getting much better sleep and feel sharper. I also stood outside the metro stop at DuPont Circle just to, you know, talk to people about this phenomenon of dry January. And this local resident, Marcus, said he wants more dry options after this January. A mocktail, like a lot of them are just, I mean, you can have a very good, like, uh, you know, virgin mojito or something. But I feel like there should be more of an attempt to just do original things with mocktails. And Marcus is not alone. Gigi Arandit also believes in this idea. Hi there. So much so that she's actually opening a bar full of non-alcoholic drinks. There won't be a single drop of alcohol at her business, which is called Binge Bar. But does that even work? Can a bar have no alcohol in it and still be a bar? Will people even go? And the biggest question in my head is in D.C., where so many people drink and so many social norms are attached to alcohol, will a non-alcoholic bar work? Gigi sure thinks so, and we'll hear her out. Yeah, a bar Mm. without an alcohol is going to open, whether you like it or not. Welcome, everyone, to the DMV Download Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Garrett, and I'm inside a new bar in town that serves no alcohol at all with its founder and owner, Gigi Arandid. It's called Binge Bar. It's a quite curious name. We'll get to that. But Gigi, first off, welcome to the show. Hi. Welcome. So before we talk about the bar, why you created it, and what people can expect, you know, let's first talk about the name Binge Bar. Where did that name come from? So Binge Bar actually came about during my early years in sobriety when, in my personal experience, I was sort of isolating, obviously, trying to just manage my, like, you know, the ebbs and flows Mm. of this journey. And this concept was birthed through an article that I read in an airline magazine. Mm. And it was about this counselor named Chris Marshall that opened his um, non-alcoholic bar in Austin, Texas. He's also in recovery. And I was super inspired by that story. I can't remember at the time if I ripped the page of that magazine or if I like took a picture of it. 
But when this space became available and I was asked if I knew someone like a tenant that would, you know, that would be willing to rent the space or if I was ready to start my own venture, I obviously was like, well, um, I was just laid off from the hotel and lodging industry. Excuse that that was the ice machine, but yeah. <laughs> We're in the bar. <laughs> Sorry about itself. that. We're in the bar. It happens. <laughs> but it's something just clicks and um, it is a sanctuary. So whatever your sobriety or your recovery journey or your healing journey is like uh, for you, I hope for Bench to be that conduit, mm-hmm. that sanctuary for wherever level in your sobriety or in your in recovery you are. Can you tell us about, and this might be a difficult subject, but your relationship okay. with alcohol, you know, like what was that and how has that gotten you here? I think people will mirror themselves with my story because mm. it's so, it's totally the same. Like, you know, I, I got a DUI, but I also was in a lot of um, emotional turmoil involving relationships, people, places, and things pretty much as a full circle. But once I attended Alcoholics Anonymous, I learned, I pay attention to a lot of things. So there was a culture there that stuck with me and I knew that if I was to decide to go sober all the way and really change my relationship with alcohol, it wasn't enough for me to just stay in the room Mm. and go by the book because Mm. I don't think like that. I think you can practically say just by looking at the space that I think very, very abstractly, I think of myself as an artist. So yeah, I just knew once I decided to become sober, the first year of counting each day, each week, each month of having to go without it, I, I it was it was smooth. It was like a okay, so in sobriety or in AA, it tells you that you have to admit your powerlessness over alcohol. Mm. And once I admitted that powerlessness over alcohol, I relieved myself of its powerlessness and I it, it no longer has power over me either. So right. I then become self-empowered. So it was a mind trick for sure. And you know, there's this idea of sanctuary, which we kind of started the show off with, and you're making a sanctuary in a very, you know, unique city, DC, which has a culture that is absolutely quite tied to alcohol consumption. Yes. So how do you think about that? Well, I think about it all the time because I was a part of that culture. You know, I drank till I was uh, till my sobriety date back in June of 26. Mm. And I, you know, I worked in hospitality, you know, part time as like promoter. I had friends that were bartenders that were DJs. And most of my friend group are within that type of culture. So I also know that within that culture, there are bartenders that doesn't drink, there are owners that own bars that doesn't drink, and there are, you know, people within their friends group who don't drink that are like, you know, sharing their experience with friends no matter what. So Mm. I definitely put myself in an uncomfortable position to, to still support my friends, to still show up, make myself uncomfortable, and kind of like learn within the process. And that's how I know that when I came up with this concept, when I did my pop-ups and got some like data analytics of who my potential client base was, I knew that there was a market. Yeah. Yeah, And so let's talk more about that. You know, you've had a fantastic pre-launch, you know, I've read all the articles, you're here with me now. How has this idea been received? Well, um, it has been received practic- like really, really well by the majority. Okay. But my first backlash or my first yes. experience with trolling, as you know, as as they would say, was when the article 
the Washingtonian Magazine article came out, mm. and it was one of their viral posts ever with over, I want to say over uh, 6,800 likes and wow. 500 comments. Wow. And I sat down and read those comments, and yeah, it was, it was definitely like, you know, a punch to um, punch the stomach, but I also was focusing on the positive comments and again, being a very uh, data-oriented type of person, I was p- focusing on the feedback. Right, so I can, and interest. And, right, exactly, and mm. interest. That's, that's really all my focus right now. There yeah. will be people that are gonna say negative things about this concept because they just can't grasp outside of their natural institution. This is a very unconventional concept, and right. I'm a very unconventional person, and I know that, right. but I also know that there's a lot of people like me that are unconventional thinkers. And with the idea of, you know, some people cling to alcohol, you know, yes. and they want to defend it. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's also some of that, too, maybe Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you're more than welcome to. I'm not competing with alcohol sales. I'm actually doing the complete opposite. I don't want to do anything <laughs> with it. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. <laughs> so let's, you know, talk about those drinks themselves. You know, we've got this beautiful bar that we're looking at now. Yes. You know, how are the drinks going to be made? What does it even look like? You know, it's kind of a new world for a lot of people. It's going to be... Um, wow. It's, we're going to be doing a lot of incantation behind that bar because I think uh, part of the negative perception of a non-alcoholic bar is that, oh, there's not going to be alcohol and we're going to be drinking sugars. No, we're not going to be serving Shirley Temples. Mm. Okay. I don't like Shirley Temples. When I come into a bar (laughs) and I say, I don't drink, can I see your menu? And they offer me Shirley Temples. I get super offensive. But yeah, we have, there's already gin, tequila, whiskey, and all of these things in the market. I found out there's a vodka that doesn't have alcohol that's available in France. So we're going to have those available here. We're going to have beers. We're going to have what we call RTDs, which are ready-to-drink cocktails. Mm. We're going to have elixirs. There's so many amazing things in this non-alcoholic movement that just goes past behind a cocktail without an alcohol because once you remove the alcohol out of a cocktail you get to actually enjoy all the nutrients and all the benefits of all those ingredients within Mm. that drink and there's another kind of idea that's tinkering around in my head which is people often associate bars with alcohol but you're opening one without it so you kind of have to shoulder a lot of the (laughs) weight you know like part of the draw you know is like so you, you really have to encourage people, you know, to come. Has that been a lot of work? Is that pressure? Is that exciting? You know, how does that make you feel? It's all of the above. It's definitely all of the above. And it really starts with the people that are here and now um, mm. within this process with me. You're be actually becoming of that, you know, beca- you're becoming part of that equilibrium for me, having to be the first podcaster to ever host one here at Binge. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot of managing yeah. As far as, you know, managing conversations, managing your emotions. It's a workshop within myself. So I, I get to like unearth layers of myself and unearth layers of people in this place. And it's here. It's happening. Yeah. A bar mm. without an alcohol is going to open whether you like it or not. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to be the first of its kind in D.C. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we're at the tail end of January and dry mm-hmm. January has kind of been this, you know, thing that's, yes. you know, happens every year. But Somehow, for whatever reason, either media and people, just in my conversations, people have been talking about it. Yes. I did a Twitter poll, and um, I got a couple hundred people that said yes or no, I'm doing Dry January. And 30% said yes. That's a good percentage. That really is. It is. And so, that's my capacity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if there are people who have just done Dry January, and they're kind of realizing, oh, whoa, 
it's kind of a realization moment, but they don't know how to go forward, you know, mm -hmm. maybe backing away from alcohol a little bit. You know, what would your advice be to them? And could this be a place they could come to and, you know, kind of get some space? Yeah, that's actually what Binge is. This is how Binge is literally going to serve its purpose and what it's going to be for those folks that not just in recovery, you know, every the, the tagline for my business is literally come as you are. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey or you're just you're, if you're skeptical even or you're not sold to the entire idea, I still would like you to come mm. because you literally have that option. It is an option. Mm. Uh, but for people that are looking into this and, you know, after doing dry January and thinking there's just a possibility that it could be a lifestyle for them, that is amazing. If I was able to come up with a concept like this within five years of getting sober, just imagine what it could do for you mm. um, and with the resources that you have, the friend groups that you have, the network that you have and what's available for you out there. Like the skies is the limit. The sky is the limit. Really. Mm. I'm, I'm super excited. And I'm tired, but super excited. <laughs> That's fair and honest. I like that. <laughs> Zero proof alcohol, dry mocktails and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's not just here in DC where we're seeing this. It's kind of uh, happening around the country you know are you connected into that what are you seeing when you kind of pop up and look around the country just the fact that this idea this this chain reaction started out of a magazine that you know that that is um that has already grown its roots in austin texas you know that was that was around 2016, 2017 when I read that article. Right. And that place has been open, open for quite a few years at the time, I want to say. And when I was doing my market research, I found out there was already two in New York. There's a bottle shop in Old Town Alexandria called Umbrella Dry Drinks that really? offers non-alcoholic, like, you know, cocktails and mm. bottles and hosts pop-ups and events. So it's already growing roots within DC. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely like taking an upward trajectory. And you know, you mentioned going outside the box, you know, yes. just in this conversation, I felt that being in this place, I can feel it and see it, you know, the abstract. <laughs> and you also made reference to AA. And I did some yes. research, you know, on mocktails and there are some part of the AA community that I've read that be like, oh, well, mocktails, like I can't, I can't, I can't do that, you know? Okay. Do you ever feel like it's too close or you know, is this a real place where people can kind of have that same vibe without mm -hmm. the downsides? Yes. So it's, it's funny that you brought that up and thank you for sharing that research with us. And um, that being like a subject within this podcast, because I was having this conversation with my Cisco rep who mm. is in the program. And that's actually how he found me. And people that are, I believe, within the AA program are very protective and very territorial. And it, come, it can come off as cultish to some people. It came off that way to me because I felt like it was truly by the book. And it was, you know, it was very conforming. Mm. And I just, it, it didn't sit well with me personally. And I could tell that it wasn't relating to a lot of people within the room at the time. Right. Because I could see the engagement. Mm. I could see who was sharing. I could see who wasn't sharing. I could see who was coming back. But then in a more personal level, uh, people in AA or people in the program, I had this conversation about my Cisco rep. And I was like, do you think that this place could be triggering? And he said that it's really your responsibility, right? whether you're NAA or you think that this, this place could be triggering for you, 
I hope that you would come to me and say that you, and give me that feedback because I want to be able to adjust. Mm. You know, I want to be able to tweak. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know, uh, and there's but so much that I can do. But yeah, I mean, like you know, being in this program or being sober, you have that awareness where you, if you feel like you are triggered. You're more than welcome to leave. Yeah, or say something about it because the people that are gonna be here are gonna be gonna be receptive. Mm. They're gonna understand exactly what you're going through, and you're probably gonna get talked talk out of being triggered. And that's what I cannot wait to see. Mm. It's that type of camaraderie where, mm. like, I know you're healing. I know sometimes it can be painful, but there are people here that are healing louder. And want to make sure that you don't have to hide behind mm. an AA program or isolate yourself to like heal in your sobriety. Mm. Like a we safe can space. be, yeah, it's a safe, it's a really safe space. It's a sanctuary. Like mm. that's that's what I want for this place to be. I'm personally excited to see what's what's gonna happen here. I'm yeah. excited too. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I'm super green coming into this as a first time business owner. I'm still getting used to the word restaurateur. I can't even pronounce it sometimes. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I really I really don't want to put labels, mm. and I want to see I, I want to do as much trial and error and, and see what works and what doesn't. And I'm really just up for the challenges that's going to come my way. Mm. And I know that I'm not the only person that's going to grow into this space. A lot of people are, and that's my focus. Mm. It's truly like the collective impact. Gigi, thank you so much for your time and, uh, you know, opening this space to the DMV Download podcast and, yes. you know, to people in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So grateful. If you're curious what Binge Bar looks like, fear not. I've got photos of it up on Instagram and this episode will be posted on YouTube. And I should have said this earlier, but Binge Bar is in Northeast D.C. on 8th Street between 5th and 6th Streets, just east of the Noma neighborhood. And Gigi tells me Binge Bar is set to open February 1st for all those who want to keep dry January going. And one last thing here before we go, in researching this topic, I found that health experts who specialize in substance abuse really cautioned alcoholics against mocktails. Washington Post well-being reporter Teddy Umenabar explained further to WTOP this week. The answer is, you know, it depends on a person. But I think people just need to be cognizant of the fact that, like, there's a wide range of mocktail offerings, and the closer you get to a drink, that is really just a mirror image of a cocktail or a beer. If you have a history of substance use disorder, that can be a problem for you. In short, people's relationships to alcohol range widely, from healthy to tragically deadly. And these relationships are personal. And if you're curious about where you or a loved one stands on all this, the NIH website has actually a really straightforward page. Just search treatment for alcohol problems, finding and getting help. Scroll past all those ads on Google and it'll be right there. That'll do it for us here on the DMV Download. This show is hosted and produced by me and it's a product of WTOP News. Listen for live news radio anytime on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. And please let me know how you think this show is going, good or bad, and give us some stars if you'd like. Have an awesome week and we'll talk next Wednesday. See you then.